Well, how was your week? It was good. I'm yeah. glad it's done. Mm-hmm. And that finals are Monday. And then I'm done for the semester. That's awesome. So there was a lot of, uh, I mean, Thanksgiving was great. My parents were in town. Mm-hmm. And we had a wonderful time together. Caroline, bless her heart, was sick the whole time. I know. But in spite of that, um, we made our best efforts to have a good time at home. Yes. And um, then the following week, school was... Oh, let's, let's hold up right there on Thanksgiving. Oh. What did you cook for Thanksgiving? Uh, beef tenderloin. Big old beef tenderloin. A four pound beef tenderloin. <laughs> we wanted leftovers for a while. Oh my gosh. So it was four adults and Caroline. Yes. And it was probably some of the best steak. It really was. I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Ew. Like the perfect medium. Yes. It was, it was perfect medium, but yet still so soft you could cut it with your fork. Yeah. We didn't need a knife. Yeah. We didn't go crazy this Thanksgiving like we've done in the past where it was like, you know, six or seven dishes and two or three desserts. I mean, it was yeah. pretty straight. It was just like a really nice meal. Yes. Well, especially considering like I was like, I just don't want turkey because when we go back to Tennessee, your mom will fix turkey. That's true. So I didn't want double the turkey. So I was like, what's the next best thing? Oh, well, Beef you just tenderloin. cut to the chase. Yeah. Yeah. You cannot beat. So we had mashed potatoes and gravy, and oh. then I made homemade green bean casserole. Oh, that green like, bean casserole was so good. Fr- everything was from scratch. Cooked yes. the green beans, mm-hmm. made the mushroom, cream of mushroom soup. Sauce, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm hungry now. It was delicious. I want to eat it again. I ate a lot tonight, so I'm not hungry. You're now. not hungry? No, okay. but I have chocolate, so, so I'll have happy. chocolate later. <laughs> oh, goodness. So. But it was good. Overall, it was, it was a great time. Was we a, put up the Christmas tree, mm-hmm. and we did uh, gingerbread houses. Mm-hmm. So we had a good little celebration, good little time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I edited like crazy until it was time to eat pretty much. Yeah, you you worked basically the whole time. Just trying to get caught up. Almost there, though. Yeah. Getting a good schedule set up. Mm-hmm. How was your week? Well, my week was pretty doggone good. Um, yeah. You know, after that Thanksgiving dinner... Um, I finally took my window and went on a solo run up to the Guadalupe's in um, Lincoln National Forest. Yeah, you just packed up and left us. You know, I... I High and dry uh, on Black Friday, man. Yeah, pretty much. Not that I was going anywhere, but... No, but, oh my gosh, I needed that so bad to really just go and sit in front of a campfire. Right. And only do what I want to do, only shoot what I want to shoot. You know, that was... That was what I needed. And, you and know, it was pretty productive, yeah? It was. And, you know, I was torn. Like, do I go up there and, and like, film like crazy? Because I knew I was getting to the point where I needed to tell another piece of a story. Um, But, you know, I really do enjoy this. I really do enjoy the camera work and, and sharing the story and showing off um, all the wilderness areas here in New Mexico. So that wasn't stressful. Like that was almost, you know me, if I was to sit there and do absolutely nothing, I would probably get myself worked up. You don't know how to do absolutely nothing. I don't. I do. I really don't. I'm really good at it. It's really funny because I did some like time lapses of me sitting around the campfire. And I, <laughs> you probably didn't sit still for no. more than it's probably like sit, sit, sit. I was editing that piece tonight and I was like, oh my gosh, dude, you need to just chill out, sit down for a while. But. 
I enjoy it. I like it. I like, I like, you know, I was doing some night photography, um, just getting you didn't have me angles. asking when are we going to bed right right so yeah it was a it was a good run and i got a lot of really cool content i got to talk about some really cool products which i don't typically do a lot of right um so you know i'm waiting for those comments and you uh did you get to open something special while you were up there you know what i did not you did it so i got up there and i have a package from youtube and they send it out to people when they get a hundred thousand subscribers and I didn't feel right opening it without you and Caroline there. Oh, that's nice. Because, I mean, it's it's us. Yeah. So I, I know we've already almost got 125,000 followers <laughs> or subscribers. But uh, I wanted to wait until we could actually go up there and do it do it together. Sure. So That's so nice of you. That is what it is. Okay. I just I didn't feel right because it's as much yours as it is mine. So, so anyhow, that was great. That was really good. Good time up there in, in the Guadalupe Bays. Good. So anyhow, I think now's a good time to get on to our main topic. But first, we need to stoke this campfire because it's gotten really low. Uh-huh. Anyway, so let's throw a few logs on it there. Yeah, there you go. Nope. Not right there. Over there. There you go. Much better. Yeah. All right. No, that's, that's feeling pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there were so many people who enjoyed the campfire. I, I, and I'm I'm amazed. Yeah? Yeah. There are a million there are millions and millions of podcasts out there. We might have the only campfire. That's what sets us apart, babe. All right. So you just keep stoking that fire. I'm on it. Yeah. Watch that smoke. Ooh. <laughs> I hate when it gets in my face. Oh Lord. Oh anyhow, tonight we are talking about our overland kit evolution. Yeah. What that means is what we started with, what we changed, and where we are now, and why. And lots of funny little stories in between about different products and stuff that we're using or no longer use. Okay. Yeah. Totally ready for this. Totally ready for this. All right. So, obviously, started with our 2014 Toyota 4Runner mm-hmm. that we bought brand new. Yep. Down in um, Odessa, 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 Texas. We did not want a Forerunner at the time. No, we wanted an FJ. Yeah, we already kind of talked about this in, in episode uh-huh. one, but we were almost devastated that we could not make a car seat work in the FJ Cruiser because that, you know, that was the cool car. That's what right. we really, really wanted. That was it at the and, time. Yeah, and, and it, mostly because of the, all the traction control functions and rear locker and stuff like that. Like we knew functionally, not just looks wise, but functionally it was what we were after, but it just wasn't in the cards. No, it just wasn't in the cards. And so we got in the forerunner and literally a mile down the road. Yeah. Just fell in love. It was like, Oh dude. Okay. Yeah. And it has all these things. Sign us up. This, yeah, just lay those papers down. Let's mm-hmm. do this. And so, we didn't waste any time. The next weekend, we were up in Guadalupe's putting scratches down the side of this brand new. Yeah, absolutely stock. Yeah. We knew. I mean, that's what we bought it for. Yeah. And so we just knew that was going to be a part of life. Yeah. And so might as well just jump in. And right. we And we did. First trip out, <laughs> those poor little Dunlop factory tires yeah. were so crappy. And we, we pinched one. It didn't blow out, but we put a pretty good gash in the side of it and... It had a slow leak at that point. So the next morning, we were in 
in front of Discount Tire when they opened. So yep. There was some KOs on this puppy. Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning at that point. So what was your initial impressions of the Forerunner? I mean, once we got it home and took it on the first trip, I mean, what what did you like about it? Well, I mean, really truthfully, that was my very first trip ever because I did not go on any of the dude trips that you went on. That's true. So that was the very because you had gone even a couple times in the troopy without me and Caroline. That's true. So when we got the Forerunner, that was I think we just did what a day trip or was it an actually a camping trip? No, we, that was Caroline's first camping trip. Okay. We bought a, a Coleman dome. two room dome tent uh-huh. off of Amazon. Right. And we had just a basic air mattress. One yeah, of the, just like a little a queen. queen. Uh-huh. And Caroline had her pack and play. Mm-hmm. And so we put her on her side and yep. golly, remember how loud that pack and play was though? Oh, every time she rolled over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sound like we had a rat. Yeah. Captive. Over. Pretty sure that's what kept her awake. Oh, that's true. And so then we, the second night, the second night we ended up just putting her in bed with us. Yeah. That made a big difference. Big difference. But she had a blast. She did. Those photos from that trip are just perfect. But she was happiest outside. She's always been an outside like, baby. Like as a newborn. Uh-huh. The second you took her outside, her whole body just chilled. So with all that being said, um... I did not know the capabilities of the vehicle uh-huh. and what it could and couldn't do. You know, things that I would look at now and just carry on as just a trail. Right. Um, I, I was like, oh, my gosh, we're going to fall down in that ditch and then we're never going to get out and our oh, car's going to yeah. be stuck here. Um, I guess I could say I was impressed, but yet I didn't know what it could and couldn't do we were definitely nervous about things that today we would not even bat an eyelash at yeah especially like you know when you first start out when you get off camber Mm -hmm. you know when that vehicle leans just just a little bit you think oh my gosh this thing is going over because when you're driving on roads and stuff you never subject it to those types of angles Mm -hmm. and so that was like the one thing that always gave me pucker factor was you know when we would start to get an off-camera situation like that. But now, I think my level of confidence is so high, I would probably, I could possibly roll the vehicle because I've gotten so comfortable with it. Mm. I think the thing that made me the most uncomfortable when we started was when there, it would be like a two-track, you know, and there'd be the washout in the center. Mm. I was always paranoid that it, like uh, the t- the wheel was going to slip. Yeah. Down into it. And we we had quite a few of those that we went. And that was actually one of the things that we went over that first trip. I know. I that's exactly what I'm thinking of. Because yeah. I remember being like having to get out and spot you. And yeah, there was then like a three foot ditch. Right a friend came middle. over and had to finish spotting you. And now I watch it and I'm like, we didn't, <laughs> I didn't even need to get out of the car. <laughs> uh, no, no. So, but that's all part of the learning experience. And yeah. it's okay. I mean, especially if you're new, don't be afraid to get out and, and double check and look, don't. Don't think that you have to be Mr. Cool and, and everything. You know, definitely ask questions if you're with people and don't be embarrassed. Yeah. It's totally okay. We all we all went through it. We all did it. So so one of the thoughts that I just had, especially on that first trip, when we were traveling up there, we have a little bit of video and the forerunners absolutely jam packed. Like like you could hardly even see Caroline sometimes with Granted, all Granted, that's the... how it looked on our Alaska trip. 
80% of the time. Well, but... But that was from disorganization. <laughs> <laughs> that was daily life. Yeah, well, that was living out of your car, not going up for a weekend. True. But we literally packed everything, including the kitchen sink, it felt like, mm-hmm. inside the Forerunner. So I, I think that maybe the second or third trip is when we were like, hey, let's get a roof rack on this thing. Oh, I guess that's true, huh? And move some of our luggage out of the vehicle. But then we almost just treated it like, now we have more space for more things. Oh, we did, pretty much. Let's let's talk about those first few camping trips that we went in the Forerunner. What was one of the things that you disliked the most? What was it that you had the roughest time doing? Like just camping-wise or packing in the vehicle-wise? No, I'm talking about camping itself. Oh, going to the bathroom. Yeah. Yes. You have a hard time doing it outside. Not anymore. Well, you used to. I did. I couldn't even go pee. Yeah. Yeah. Why was that? Because I didn't know how to actually squat and pee. Okay. We're getting real here now. Yeah. Yeah, because you would always try and find like a tree to lean up against or like hold on to or it's the most awkward it was it was terrible <laughs> tea terrible yeah i remember one time we were on an elk hunt remember what i built you oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> a rock throne <laughs> it was that's the original game of thrones <laughs> the I, hunting throne i literally built her a stone toilet and it and i had a great view there was a great view yeah. There was a there was a limb nearby where we placed the toilet paper. Uh-huh. Um there was kind of a half shrouding of small spruces. Nice little hedge. So you had a, had a bit of privacy yeah. and then an epic view looking down to Carrizozo, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was great. And I feel like the next year we went up there. It was still there. I think so. I, I think I, I think that people have recognized its value and, and it's definitely probably stood, utilized stood it. the test of time. Yeah. But yeah, going to the bathroom was probably the hardest part for me. So so what was the next step? What did we do to, to fix that? We did um, a five-gallon bucket with a little like snap-on toilet seat. The luggable loo. Yeah. And that helped. It worked. Um, I'm trying to remember. Did did we cut the bottom of the bucket out? or No, we actually started. We started using. Oh, you know what we did? We took kitty litter mm-hmm. and, and trash, bags. trash bags. Y'all. That was. That was dumb. Kitty litter does not work for people crap. Well, we also bought cheap kitty litter. Had we bought the nowadays new lightweight Step stuff? Stepping fresh or something? No, the lightweight Scratch ones. and sniff. Listen. Oh. <laughs> I said lightweight. <laughs> like clumping factor lightweight. It's It would have been fine. It was, mis- it was miserable. It really was bad. Yeah. I don't know what we were thinking. And then it was heavy to like get back to a... T- yeah. Let's, yeah. That was that was a fail, right? And then the whole privacy factor, like, was I really hidden behind a tree? Right. Could anyone see me straining? Right. Like, and let me tell y'all, for guys sitting on a five gallon bucket with one of those things is not really. It's not there. Not comfortable. It's huh? not big enough. Okay. It's not not the circumference isn't there. So, anyways. <laughs> um... <laughs> Well, and, and do you remember Caroline was trying to use it as well? And because it was a bucket, unless it was perfectly level ground. I felt like that was like a whole year later. Maybe so. Because she was only 15 months when we started and she was still diapers. So we were still packing, oh, packing diapers. diapers and wipes and all that yeah. stuff too. Yeah. Golly. Because I, I did potty train her until after she was two. But then I finally got you something that changed the game. Do you remember that? 
the Browning Privacy Tent. That's right. Yeah. So, guys, let me tell this story. I knew she had a hard time doing it outdoors. And so I had done some Going research. Going to the bathroom, that is. Well, now people are in a totally different place. Thanks well, for bringing that up. Sorry, it just sounded iffy. And okay. then I just made it worse. You so. just, yeah, slam dunk. Anyhow, so... I researched and came up with this privacy tent. Well, the problem was we had some friends that had a pop-up privacy tent, but literally it was not four viable. Four feet tall? It felt like it was four feet tall. You might as well wear it on your head. Yeah. And so I came up with the browning, and the browning was it's actually five and a half by five and a half at the base, and then it stood like seven foot tall. So that meant that you could hang a, um, a shower bag mm-hmm. from the top of it and still get a, a shower underneath. And so I believe it was our anniversary. Yeah. We went up to Ruidoso, New Mexico. Because mm-hmm. we still had the tent then. And uh, we found this little camping spot. And I went over and I set up this privacy tent. And it was all staked to perfection, nice and tight. Mm-hmm. And I set our, at the, we had moved to the rest stop system at that point. But we still had the five-gallon bucket, It though. was still a five-gallon but bucket. But we had the bags. And we were using the rest stop bags. Mm-hmm. And we put those in there. And had our breakfast. Sarah had her coffee. We mm-hmm. all know what happens after Sarah has her coffee. Mm-hmm. So I was watching out the corner of my eye. She made her way over to the privacy tent. I thought, all right, this is going to... Cautiously gonna... checked it out. <laughs> she kind of, you know, sniffed at the base a little bit, scratched it. <laughs> you make it sound like, like you're trapping an animal or something. She slowly made her way over to the tent. <laughs> Where it was perfectly staked and ready. (laughs) And so she unzips it. She walks inside. Yeah, you can do the sound effects. I'll continue the story. (laughs) And zips it back down. (laughs) (laughs) Just getting off top now. (laughs) And so there's silence, obviously, for a few minutes. I'm just sitting there drinking my coffee in my camp chair. And then I hear... Kevin, yeah, babe, you've changed camping for me. Mm-hmm. And I think at that moment, that's when I knew we were going to sell everything and travel full time. No, you didn't. <laughs> that is baloney sauce. <laughs> uh, but I knew I loved you more at that point. No. Yeah. But that was that was really like. I knew I loved you more, too. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. And we talked about this last time where everyone has a terrible camping experience. A lot of people have a terrible camping experience that either made it very difficult to get back into it or they refuse to go camping because of. There are a lot of incredible products on the market now that change the game. They literally change the game. You don't have to be uncomfortable. You don't have to be surrounded by bugs. You don't have to be pooping in a hole. I mean, there are a lot of things out there to make this an enjoyable experience. And I think that was one of the moments that I realized, you know, I don't want to say this. It's not about the gear, but if the gear gets you there, get the gear. Especially with the people you want to do this with. That's it. I mean, I can go literally with a one man pup tent, beanies and weenies, hot dogs, a sleeping bag. I mean, like I, I could go and have an awesome time just in those few things. Yes, 
that's all you quote unquote need. You know, we get in this discussion about needs yeah. and it's not about a need. It is a want and we, we recognize that. But if these things, these advanced creature comforts get your entire family out there having a great time together and you go back Sunday afternoon after you've had a long weekend of adventure and you're rested and you're not stressed yeah. and you're not covered in bug bites, get the gear. You're not constipated. I mean. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But at the same time, you have to have a balance. Yeah. So keep it simple. Mm-hmm. And so as we talk about all these different products and this evolution of what we did, don't get overwhelmed and say, oh, I need all those things or I, don't have the money I to can't do that. afford to do those things. Yeah. We get that. It's, a, it's about taking a staged step-by-step process to get you there. Focus on your priorities. Focus on the things that make you the most comfortable, give you the biggest bang for your buck. But don't get overwhelmed right. by what we talk about. Having a capable vehicle with good tires is your step one for becoming an overlander, quote unquote, call it what you will. Right. And then you get out there and you go. So I just want to throw that out there before we get too deep into like talking about these products sure. and stuff. Sure. Cause a lot of um, people have commented on our videos or other people's videos or Instagram posts that as an overlander, they've been oversold to. Yeah. Or it's over-commercialized. Over-commercialized now. I mean, there's a whole discussion to be had on that as well. Yeah. Um, number one, and, and the short the short answer is camping is over-commercialized. Oh, sure. And, Everybody does it so many different ways. And the bigger picture is America is over-commercialized and oversold too. Right. But you know what? If it wasn't for these people marketing those products, we wouldn't know about it. Right. And if there weren't so many choices... We would be frustrated because there weren't enough choices. There weren't more options, yeah. So I look at it and I say, and, I, and I've been you know, been on the other side where we were building our kit, and it, I felt overwhelmed, and I felt like I couldn't afford the things that, that we wanted. But you take it one step at a time and appreciate the fact that you have so many things to choose from, and more and more every day at different price ranges. So I get the argument, but personally, I'm thankful that we have a lot of options. And price points. And price points. It irritates me a little bit when people complain about being over-marketed to or oversold to or feeling overwhelmed with all the different options that are out there. Sure. So with that being said, let us tell you what we used. Yeah. So when we first started, we decided that we would ground tent. Yeah. And like we said before, we had a Coleman... Two-room, 10-person tent, because we thought we needed that much room. It was nice having that much room. Yes. It really was, because if it was bad weather, it was a lot of room for us to play games. Caroline could run around. I mean, that was really the big the big part about it. Now, it was a booger to set up. It was and it wasn't. There weren't that many poles. Yeah, but if it, again, if, I go back to bad weather. If it was wet. Yeah, if it was inclement weather. You knew, you knew you were going to have to take it home. You're going to have to open it back up and set it back up and dry it out and get the mud off of it. And yeah. So that was a bit of a, bit of a hassle. Mm-hmm. So we, we slept out of that. We had a, a queen mattress. Mm-hmm. And there was a time, I recall, I think it was Caroline's birthday adventure weekend yep. for her second birthday yep. 
Something got forgotten. Do you remember what it was? Seems like, um, yeah, it was my, yeah, I know what it was. What was it, Kev? I don't want to say the words. Just tell everybody what it was. I forgot the air mattress, okay? You did. I forgot the air mattress. I'm sorry. And this was a... I told you this. I'm sorry. Two-night trip? Three-night trip? It's probably a three-night trip. So we get to our destination, our first destination. Uh And it actually (laughs) ended up, sadly enough, being pretty rocky. It was hard as a brick. Because it had not rained in months. Yeah. It was so, so tough. So so we set up the tent. We set up, because it was close to dinner, uh-huh. and I we set up the table, and we're going to start cooking. And Kev's hunting, hunting around the car, going in the tent, hunting, hunting around the car, <laughs> going in the tent. He's not saying point. anything. No. I'm like, what is the deal? And he, like, sticks his head out the tent. He's like, uh, I think I forgot the the mattress. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow. <laughs> like, I just wanted to pack up and leave. I Yeah, I think you were ready to go home at that point. Yeah. And we were like, no, we'll just suffer through it. We'll just, we'll just, for just one figure night. it out. And so we literally suffered through it for one night. In the bottom of that tent, guys. And it was flat ground. Don't get me wrong. But, but it, it was, was also so cool hard. that night. And so we, we got, couldn't put that much underneath us for padding because we really needed it on so, top of us yeah. to keep warm. We got so cold. So cold. So what did we do the next night? Remember? <laughs> did we get a hotel? We did. Oh, that's right. We went down into Alamogordo <laughs> to see the zoo. I forgot about this. And then I told you, I'm not sleeping on the ground again. Yeah. And I don't blame you. That was miserable. It was bad. We didn't sleep much that night. No. Yeah. But we got the cutest family picture, like to this date, is probably one of the best family pictures ever. That's true. From that morning. That's true. No no one knows how close we were to divorce at that point. I don't know why you keep saying that. Because <laughs> it's funny. It's a good story. Yeah, but I just don't like the D word. You don't like the D word? No. I'm sorry. I forgive you. So, needless to say, if you do an air mattress, don't forget it. Well, you know what I got after that to make it up to you? The giant king mattress. <laughs> Y'all. That thing was, it basically took up the whole half of the tent. It stuck out into the second room. Well, and the reason we got it too was Caroline was too big for the pack and play. Yeah. And half the time anyway, she ended up sleeping with us, not in the pack and play. Right. So we were like, why are we being so miserable? Let's get something where we can. All fit on there. Right. And dude. Let me tell you, this thing was awesome. That was legit glamping at that point. Because you didn't even have to like get down on your hands and knees to get in the bed. Well, here's the thing. like It wasn't your typical air mattress. This thing stood like 42 inches tall. It was gargantuan. I didn't realize how big it was when I ordered it. But it was 120 volt. Thankfully, though, there was an inverter in the Forerunner. And so we'd crank up the Forerunner and plug Mm -hmm. it in. And like 20 minutes later... You could just was it that long? No, I'm, okay. I'm exaggerating. But you can watch the sides of the tent start to swell Ooh. as it like boated out. <laughs> hey, we slept good though, dude. That thing was awesome. It really was. And it awesome. even had like a little uh, back, like. Oh yeah, so your pillows don't fall yeah. off the back. Uh huh. Yeah, because you, you know, like when you sleep in a tent, your pillow always gets up against the wall, and then it it gets the wet. condensation gets wet, and it's just miserable. Like no more. That fixed yeah, it. That fixed that it. Fixed it. So that was nice. So that's 
that's another piece of gear that yeah. that changed the game. Uh, and then, uh, what did we cook on? Did we have a little grill? I don't even remember. No, we had the um, little little Coleman grill. We had the Coleman travel set, the the little Coleman grill, and so you could cook on the grates. Remember, it also had like a uh, a griddle. big skill get mm-hmm. griddle that you could put on there as well, and that thing worked really, really good. It did. It was great. It really did. So once we got our roof rack, we we bought a Gobi rack, and then like four years later, it finally showed up. Oh, it'll be ready in four weeks. Mm-mm. Fourteen weeks later, it showed up, and I. It was worth it, y'all. I like people ask me, what do you think about the Gobi Rack? I absolutely love it. But when you order a Gobi Rack, you just order it and you forget about it. <laughs> and then be pleasantly surprised when it <laughs> and does then, show and up. And then it's like Christmas when it shows up because right. and I, I understand that they've, um, I think that they have a little bit better turnaround time now. Oh, good for them. But <laughs> as far as quality is concerned, it, it's legit. Yeah. And it, you know, it's, it's. It's been through a it lot with us. Stood the test of time with yeah. us. So, um, so yeah, we started running, running that stuff up on the roof rack at that point, carrying our grill around, and like you were saying, you know, we, once we got room, we started carrying more stuff with us that we didn't necessarily need, or stuff that was oversized for what we needed. Right. We didn't need that that massive thing. We could have definitely downsized into a you know cook stove or something. But like that. I liked that we had it instead of the cook stove because you know we kind of went back and forth uh-huh. but i was like but what if we want to grill burgers or steak you yeah, know we were like big grillers at the time yeah and so i could really just put my little pots and pans on yeah. top of the grill the grates and still cook just the same as if it was on a tiny coleman yeah. cooktop if you have the space it's a great option it was probably the best option at the time for yeah us. it was it was it was a great setup so um along with you know, wanting a privacy tent to go to the loo and, and all. Do you remember once I started getting comfortable, maybe by the second or third, maybe fourth trip, what I requested next? Do you remember? I think you were getting tired of washing dishes with cold water. Yes. And not being able to have a shower. Yeah, the shower. But I have always washed my face before bed. Oh, that's true. And no one likes to wash their face with cold water. <laughs> so I would literally warm up water on our cook stove. You're right. I remember that. Just to wash my face. Mm-hmm. And also to do dishes and whatnot. Yeah. And I was like, we need to figure something out. Yeah. This is too long. It's getting old. Right. And eventually we want to take longer than two day trips. We need a shower. Uh-huh. So what was the cute little red contraption you found the zodi yes the zodi water heater and it it was really it, it was okay um so the trick was we bought these things called water bricks and they're 3.5 gallon they look like concrete blocks of the shape of a concrete block but they interlock and yeah i think we bought four of them we would take those water bricks and, and that zodi heater and you know, it would plug into a one-pound propane tank, and then it would, like, sit in its little base, which was a little bit iffy if it was going to stay or not. That was my one complaint about it is it wasn't oh. very stable. But the beauty of it is, is you could take it, and if your water was super cold, you could stick the shower hose back in and just kind of recycle the Fill, water uh-huh. until it got up to the temperature that you wanted and take a nice, hot shower. It would run for about... F- you could get about a six-minute shower out of a three-and-a-half-gallon water brick. Mm-hmm. And so that was really, really nice. Or yeah. you could wash three three sets of dishes 
out of and you just found that on amazon yeah yeah it was on amazon yeah i actually have a new one i actually have another one that i bought when we outfitted the forerunner oh, right well, to, we're planning on doing that yeah to go with uh my brother caleb on the east tennessee overlanders run mm-hmm. and it's a much more stable base so they've come a long way but yeah that the Zodi, Z-O-D-I, water heater was probably one of our best investments because, y'all, washing greasy dishes with cold water, it doesn't work. No. It, you can you can throw as much Dawn at it as you want, and it just it doesn't break down to no. get a little bit of heat to it. Right. So, so yeah, that was one of the, the one of our favorite purchases at that point. So essentially, that was our first overlanding kit. Yeah, that that. Probably set us, you know, having the roof rack, having the tent, having the mattress, having the privacy tent, having the water heater, that basic setup, that was good. Yeah, that, that's good for two. That did what we needed. Three days um, pushing it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was that, that was really the best camping kit that we had. And we ran that way for a couple of years, didn't we? We added something. Oh, there's something else. Yeah. So we probably ran like that for... Maybe a camping season. Okay. And then I told you, Kev, I'm done with sloshy, icy, Mm. wet lunch meat. Yeah. Meat juice. Yes. Nasty coolers. And it got so annoying on the trail where it was like whoosh, 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 back and forth. Yes. And it didn't take long to do that either. No. Especially in our temperature. Yeah. So... I told you, you needed to find a solution for that. Yeah. Well, and everyone was running those, um, the Yetis. That's when yeah. the Yetis were just huge. And so oh, I, huge. I just figured, okay, I'll buy one of those. Because, you know, remember Billy and Trina, they mm-hmm. bought one and they liked it. Yeah. And they even at, had a mini one that they put in their car. Yeah. So I was at his house one day and I was like, well, let me see that thing. And I went to pick it up and I'm like, good Lord. And it had nothing in it. It was. Huge, and then when you open it up, you know you had like four and a half inches of sidewall that was just insulation, and I thought, my goodness, that that's a waste of space. Well, yeah, it's a waste, not a waste, but like you got to pack that thing full of ice first, and then you got to put your stuff in there. So there really wasn't that much space to start with. And then right. you look at the price of them, and they were like three or four hundred oh, bucks. Yeah, they're probably cheaper now. Maybe there's different. I don't know. I've there's never cheaper looked. brands out there. Sure, but but at the time, Yeti was it. That, that was kind of your selection at that point. And so, you know, I started doing some research and came across the ARB mm-hmm. freezer fridge and, you know, did some research on that. And I was like, well, you know, for the for the weight, for the price, and the fact that you don't have to put ice in it, oh, man, look at all the food that we could carry. Right. And so after some back and forth on that, it, it was a painful purchase though because it was what eight hundred dollars. It or was something? like eight hundred or nine hundred bucks at the time. Yeah, and it was like our first big purchase after wheels and tires yeah. and and the roof rack and the suspension. And it was like, oh man, like are we really this committed to it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and so we were we were we we bought it skeptically. Mm-hmm. And after the first trip, we were like, if this thing cost. A thousand plus dollars. A thousand dollars we would have bought bought it it. anyway. This was a game changer. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because then, you know, we could pack everything we wanted to. Yeah. And it was (laughs) guaranteed, I'm using air quotes. Sure, sure. To stay cold. Right, right. And so we ran that thing for, what, about two and a half, three years? 
Actually, yeah, at least that. Yeah, because we didn't get our snowmaster until right before Alaska. That's right. Not until we left before Alaska. So if, if you want to fast forward to that piece of equipment, we, we ran the ARB for a while, but after, what, a year and a half, two years, it started freezing stuff at the bottom. And stuff at the top was lukewarm. And spoiling or room stuff that was up on top. Uh, and it just wasn't transferring its cooling fat. And we did we did the calibration. There's different steps and stuff that you can go through. And uh, and know, maybe I overpacked. Well, it come to find out, it, that particular one only had a cooling plate on the bottom. So if you packed it full of food on Friday afternoon, what would happen is because that it, it would, the food was literally insulating that bottom plate from the top, Mm. You would get that differential in temperature. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was working for Turtleback. If you fast forward, I was working for Turtleback, and we got to play with a lot of different fridges, Domatic, uh, Snowmaster, National Luna, and um, and the ARBs as well. Mm-hmm. And there was one thing about those Snowmasters, like whatever we put in them, no matter how packed full they were or how little was in it, it was the Cold. same temperature. Top yes. to bottom. The cheese on the top was still just as cold as the meat on the bottom. Yeah, and I think the biggest contributing factor was, number one, it had cooling plates in the walls as well as the bottom, and then it had more insulation as well. Yeah. So it used a little bit more power, but I was okay with that because our food was the right temperature for a change. Yeah. And like, okay, you, you know, like these other brands conserve a lot more power, but you're just not using it. Yeah. I want my I want my food to be this temperature. Use the power. Mm-hmm. You know, don't don't save me on power and spoil my food. Because who wants food poisoning while camping? <laughs> well, not me at not all. Not me either. Yeah. Well, at least you would have a privacy tent. Yeah. Yeah. So. I forgot about that. That's a good, that was a good point to bring up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how long did we stay like that? So we started in 2014. And when did you go to your first Expo West? 2015. That was the uh, Snowmageddon, mm-hmm. Snowverland Expo. Right. And what did you see there? <laughs> so if you've never been to Overland Expo, don't do what I did. I signed up for the, the whole experience package and literally chalked. Just just loaded up my schedule from daylight till dark, it seemed like, with classes. And Well, at the time, though, that was a expensive commitment oh, yeah. to I, a hobby. I think it was, I want to say that my ticket for that full experience was around 600 bucks or something like that. Oh, for real? If I remember right. I didn't think it was that much. I thought at least like 250 Maybe it wasn't that much. Maybe it was around 500 bucks. Either way, it was not a cheap price, but I wanted to get the training. Right. So I was going to get bang for bucks. So I signed up for every class. I just loaded up my schedule, you know, from daylight till dark. And so I was just running from one class to the next class, the next class. And I remember, um, you know, it snowed. I think it was a Saturday night. It snowed and I was in my little dome tent and, uh, it wasn't even the big tent that we typically use. I had a little Coleman that we'd bought years ago. Mm-hmm. And it snowed and um, basically shut down a lot of the classes. So I had some free time. So I made my way up to the vendors. And I was walking through all the vendor sections and stuff. And I I walked through this 
trailer display. And I'm looking at, you know, the way the trailer is built and stuff. And I literally stopped in my tracks and I was just blown away by the quality. And I know this is going to come across like some kind of sponsored ad. And I apologize for that. But this this was literally, it stopped me in my tracks. My background is in construction and, and a lot of that is nuclear construction. So like super, super high quality standards. And I recognize quality craftsmanship when I see it. And, you know, I have training to inspect welds and things like that. You know, my background's in electrical. And, and so there were all these components that I stumbled across in this booth. And I'm going, this is, <laughs> this is far above and beyond anything anyone's building right now. What, yeah. what is going on here? And it was the Turtle Bag Trailers booth. And so I, at the time I talked to Dave um, who was, who was the creator and the owner and, and, um, discuss the trailers and stuff. And then I found out what they cost and I was like, Oh, forget that. Sarah's never going to go for forget that. that. That's too <laughs> stinking expensive. No way you're getting permission yeah. on that one. And, I, and being, being me, I was like, well, I'm going to go home and I'm going to build it. I'm just going to build my own. Right. And so, you know, we, I went back and started adding up what it would cost to build my own trailer and then, you know, the engineering that goes into it and the time to build it in my garage. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to spend a garage that we did not have at the time. Yeah. So I'm going to spend six or eight months building this trailer and, you know, hope that everything works together or I could buy that. Right. And, uh, it was about that time that they started offering financing. And so what was initially like, a huge chunk of change that I would never, never, never be able to pull out of my pocket. It was like, oh, I can do it for this much a month. Mm-hmm. And so I think there was probably almost a full year where we dreamed and talked and discussed. And oh, and we shopped and shopped and because I wasn't convinced that we were that into it. Yeah, I was like, no, it's just something that we're gonna do. Four or five times a year with our friends. Well, and the thing was, is because it was such a hassle to pack all the gear and hope that you remembered it all. Yeah. And we were fairly organized. We had some totes and stuff. But the problem was, is that some of that stuff had to go to the kitchen and some of that stuff had to go to the garage. And and so there was this constant pack and repack. We were living in the camper in 2015. Yeah. We don't have a garage. You keep mentioning a garage. We do not have a garage. All I'm saying, we had a house at the time. No. We moved into the camper in 2015. Wow. We've been living in a camper that long. Yeah. You're right. So we, when you keep mentioning garage, there is no garage, people. We lived in a fifth wheel camper. <laughs> so this stuff was like in the belly storage. You're right. Or... That was it. That was it. That's all we had. That's all we had. We didn't have our conics yet. Yeah. So we were living in a camper. Yeah. And so there was this pack and repack and, and, all, and all this stuff that was going back and forth to make sure we could go on a trip. Right. And we would spend four to six hours. Just packing. That between that and groceries and water and, and all those things. And I couldn't pack the Forerunner necessarily. I could do my part. But like I wasn't putting stuff on the roof rack and tying it down. Yeah. And on top of that, I had a two-year-old. Yeah. So, so going camping at that stage of our lives was a lot of hassle. It was a lot of stress. It was a little more labor intensive. Yeah. yeah. So we didn't go as often. Right. Because, you know, you come in Friday, would show up and you'd be like, uh, nah, nah just... we'll just leave Saturday morning. Well, then that's only one night. Yeah. And then we'd just stay home. So 
the idea was that, yeah, this is an expensive investment, but if we had it, would we go more often? Mm-hmm. And if we go more often, then we start to break over and justify the expense. And so the beauty of the trailer would be everything you need lives in that trailer. Right. And so we worked our way through this whole conversation and the finances and and once we got our financing approval and all that kind of stuff, we pulled the trigger on it. And let me tell you, that was life-changing. I, I would I would say that we probably went three times more often. Oh, yeah. At like least. Like we were almost gone every weekend. At least. At least. Because... I could, we could literally say, you know, Friday morning, hey, why don't we get out of town this weekend? Let's just get out of here. Yeah. And then you would go to the grocery store. Yep. While I was at work. And I'd come home. I'd hitch up the trailer. We'd throw, you'd already have the groceries in the ARB at that point. Yeah, because we didn't leave it in the Forerunner yet. Right. And so we would just hitch up and go. Yeah. It was so easy. We could show up in the dark. Yeah. 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 So... Having a trailer was definitely a pivot point for us as far as how often we got out. Mm-hmm. And then there was a plethora. There's, I mean, there's, there was all those components that we talked about, those pieces that we were improving and improving and improving. Once we went to the trailer, so many of those things came with it. So we had a six-gallon water heater. We had 40, 42, gallons, 42 of gallons of fresh water on board. We had a kitchen that slid out. Mm-hmm. And, and we could, storage. And we could be cooking in 30 seconds. Yes. And then we had a tent that was off the ground, so which actually meant you slept. Yeah, because that was one thing that we didn't mention about the, the ground tent was in New Mexico, a lot of the places that we camp are open range. Yeah. And so it was not uncommon to have a herd of cattle. Just walk through your Just campsite. come through camp in the middle of the night. And if you've ever been around cattle, sometimes they get a little frisky the bulls get fighting each other or the cows get fighting each other. And I was imagining these cows coming through camp and <laughs> plowing through our tent. You know, sure. and you've got your, your family and stuff, not to mention, you know, bears were becoming more and more prevalent up in the mountains and stuff like that. So, yeah, definitely didn't sleep much at all when we would go on those trips. And then when we finally got the rooftop tent, well, we were up off the ground and a little bit level, a better level of security um, I was finally sleeping and enjoying camp at that point. Right. Or enjoying it more, I should say. Mm-hmm. And the thing for me that won me over the most was the kitchen. I loved that everything was just already there. If that trailer had nothing except a kitchen in it, it'd be worth it. Yeah. <laughs> the kitchen is, is what makes it. it- well, and because like when you pack a kitchen by its, not by itself, what am I trying to say? There are so many tiny pieces to a kitchen right? that it was just obnoxious having a dry food bin, having your utensil bin, having your sinks and hot water heater and other essentials in another bin. Like, well, you would spend an hour unpacking kitchen yes. basically. Yeah. Yeah. It was the biggest thing, one of the biggest things to unpack besides the tent. Right. Yeah. And literally you could walk up. I'd have the tent deployed in five minutes and you'd be cooking dinner by yeah. the time I was done. Yeah. And so it became this, not only was it more convenient, not only was everything already in the tent or in the, the trailer, but everything about it was now faster. So what that meant was is... We could get there in the dark, eat dinner, and get to bed. 
Right. And then you could get up the next morning and go to another location mm-hmm. as opposed to getting up and going, I uh, really don't want to pack up for an hour and a half to travel a few hours and then spend another hour and a half, two hours unpacking and do the whole thing all over again. Yeah, because originally our plan was that we were going to base camp with this bad boy, right. remember? Uh-huh. And then we realized how easy it was to pick a whole new place every single day. Exactly. And th- you, know, you can go either way with it. You know, if you if your location has a lot of trails, like up in Colorado, you could go and set up the trailer and hit a bunch of trails. Yeah, loop it. Yeah. Yeah. So like that was the other advantage where we could have built out the Forerunner and had a rooftop tent and all that kind of stuff on the Forerunner. But then you have then, to pack it up. Still yeah. Day. Then you're you're in a similar situation where you got to pack it all down. Now there is one piece of trailer life that is probably not what most people want to deal with, and that is the fact that you have another axle traveling behind you sure if you didn't grow up pulling trailers that would be a huge adjustment it would be a big big adjustment now i i'm in a position where trailers were just a part of life you know growing up on a farm and stuff like that i love pulling trailers like there's just an an added challenge to to driving around that 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 i find enjoyable and so when we started yeah you're weird (laughs) but when we started going and doing more and more technical trails in it and stuff. I loved it. Yeah. And the most rewarding thing about it was, and I, I'll never forget when we drove up to Goose Lake <laughs> in North New Mexico, Yeah. we we top the hill and we pull into the little parking area there and everyone turns and looks at us. And this one guy goes, you brought a trailer up here? We're like, yeah. Yeah. yeah no big deal. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of places that, that we have taken our turtle back, both the old one, the 2016 and the 2018 that we have now, mm-hmm. that probably shouldn't have taken it. <laughs> but but it we made did. It, but it made it, and yeah. it did incredible. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a piece of that that's really fun because you know we don't do a lot of crazy technical trails. We're not rock crawlers. Right. But there are some trails that are mild and would get boring honestly if you didn't have something to make it a little more interesting and so the trailer kind of gave me that piece Mm -hmm. and i gotta be honest like there's a bit of this piece of me that's like you know it's like the oregon trail like we're pulling our conestoga wagon across the prairie with all of our provisions way to age yourself man and we get there and we got a shower and we've got a rooftop tent and then if we want to, we can disconnect and go yeah. get, go get crazy with the forerunner somewhere else. Right. And and then the forerunner, because all that stuff is in the trailer, the forerunner isn't overloaded. It's fully capable, not overweight, and you can just take that thing and push it to the next level. Mm-hmm. So there's advantages. You're going to come to this point in your kit selection to where you're either going to build out your rig or you're going to buy a trailer. Everyone comes to that point. Yeah. That's they true. really do. I mean that that there's a there's a there's a fork in the road at some point, and you're gonna have to make that choice, especially for families. Right. I will say there have been times where I wish I didn't have a trailer. There have been many many more times where I was glad I had a trailer because of all the conveniences that it brings and the comfort that it brings to my family. Yeah. And so therefore they are more willing to be there, and they're more comfortable, and they're happier. Right. That might not be you. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And that's fine. That's totally okay. Yeah. This is just our our story, our journey, our experiences. 
you don't have to say take the same path. No. And I enjoy watching people who don't have a trailer. Uh-huh. Like our Get Lost Overland family friends. They don't trailer. And they have two kids and they usually go with two dogs. I know. Or at least one. Yeah. And they just have their rig outfitted. Yeah. And it's fascinating to see how they've made certain things work and how they pack things and um, what they take and don't take or what they live with and live without. Yep. Um, They're a classic example of weekend warriors for sure. Absolutely. Everything's a trade-off. Right. Everything is a trade-off. So if you go with a single vehicle, focus on weight. Focus on having items that perform dual purposes. Um, focus on quality items that... That will stand the test of time, basically. Well, I guess what I'm saying is, is there, there's a there's a value factor of cubic space something takes up mm-hmm. and what it can give you. Sure. And also what it can what it costs. So there's there's kind of this formula that you have to work out. Does this product fit in the space that it needs to go in? Does it perform the task? And is it worth the value that I'm going to pay for it? Those are the, the, the questions you have to ask yourself, much more so when it's a single vehicle. Mm-hmm. With a trailer, you can be a bit excessive, let's be honest. Depending on how many people you're packing in it. Right. But For us, we have the option to be excessive because it's only the three of us. Absolutely. And and I would say that after our Alaska trip, there there was probably two or 300 pounds worth of stuff that we could probably work our way through and either upgrade to lighter weight versions right. of or totally ditch ditch mm-hmm. and and be in a much better place. Personally, though, I'm, I'm to the point now where I, I would enjoy building out a single vehicle. Like, I feel like that's like a new challenge that I want to go down. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of feeling you there. On yeah, that too. And, and we sort of did that with the Forerunner. Um, but we, we did, never really got, we, we never, never really out, went out and experienced that, though. We never fully committed to it, honestly. Right. But um, that's still something that I want to eventually do. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. So why do you stay with a trailer? Why do I stay with a trailer? Mm-hmm. Because after do- doing Alaska. Right. And really realizing what I can live without. Uh-huh. I think I could be comfortable without it right so i think so with that being said why do you stay with the trailer well it's funny that you bring that up because the first thing that crosses my mind is when we travel with jessica and jorge Mm. with live work wonder and we would pull into camp and i'd get out and i've been happy-go-lucky about this process for (laughs) many years (laughs) And I'm out there, and it's raining, and I'm I'm undoing the tent cover, and I'm just doing my thing. But literally, Jessica and Jorge would pull in next to us, <laughs> throw a couple rocks out, level up their vehicle, and <laughs> pop the top. And they were done. Yeah. And I'd be out there going. Still pulling wow. the rubber <laughs> cover off the tent. Yeah, so I'm pulling the cover off and, and all this kind of stuff, and 
And to be fair, again, we go back to trade-offs. Right. They don't have a very big kitchen area. They mm-hmm. don't have a big sleeping area. I mean, we have a larger than king size bed. Like there are things that trade off, but you look over and they've got their diesel heater just running and she's in there cooking dinner and he's working already. I'm still setting the tent up. And it's funny how to watch that evolution because if I was setting up next to someone setting up a dome tent, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful that I have a rooftop tent because mine right. sets up in five minutes. Mm-hmm. But now I'm next to this um, Maltech truck from Germany <laughs> with his pop top, and they're setting up in 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Just. <laughs> and so it's all relative at that point, right? Right. And so, yeah, there's a bit of jealousy. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie, but also that vehicle is heavier per axle than what we have set up. So that's a dedicated vehicle for you know for overland travel and living out of, and it cost about a hundred thousand, hundred twenty-five thousand new. Mm-hmm. You look at the Forerunner, you look at the trailer, you know, you start adding up what that cost with all the mods and stuff that's in there, and it's not a huge difference between the two at the end of the day. But the thing is, is that if you needed to sell that forerunner, you could sell that forerunner. Mm-hmm. If you needed to sell that trailer, you could sell that trailer. To sell a dedicated overland rig is a little bit more difficult. Well, and you're never going to get back what you put in. you got to have the right buyer. Um, and so there's that piece of it. There's that level of security in the back of your mind of like, these components are easier to liquidate if I needed to. Um, and so I'm kind of working through your question of Okay, I was about to say, are why, you, you going to get to the point? Right. Why Why do I still run a, a trailer? Right. Um, and then there's the other piece of if you wanted to chuck all of this living weight, you just disconnect. Mm-hmm. And now you got your forerunner with its recovery gear and its tools and your people, and your food, and you go. So that's the trade-off at that point. You know, you can be a, a big heavy rig lumbering down a trail, um, or you can jettison that stuff and go out and have a more lightweight, probably more efficient vehicle on the trail at that point. Mm-hmm. So that's not a real solid answer. No. I, I, there's not There's not a gotcha you know, statement to say, Oh, yeah, this is why a trailer. That's not what I'm asking. What are you asking? I asked, why are you staying with the trailer? I just told you. But I guess I was looking for like in a nutshell, like at this point in time, why are you staying with the trailer? So that you can have the option of being lightweight anytime you want to ditch it. That's what I was just just saying. Yeah. Sorry, it was a lot. It was a lot to get to that point, and so I was trying to process like what what exactly was he saying. So that's all. Yeah. So in a nutshell, the reason why I think for us as a family, a trailer is such a good fit is, again, it's loaded. Like if if you said right now, hey Kevin, let's go, I could go out there and hitch up the Forerunner, and we could be gone. In we an could hour. be we could be gone within less than an hour if we wanted to. Yeah. Um. Being as, you know, like most people who overland have a job, they're going on the weekends, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
So they don't want to carry around all this extra weight. They don't want to carry all their clothes. They don't want to carry all their food. They don't want to carry all their water in their rig full time. Right. And the off chance of, oh, yeah, let's go. No, they're going to pull that stuff out. So mm-hmm. there's... If, especially if it's their daily driver as well. Right. So there's pe- there, there, there's a few steps that have to happen to get them out the door. Mm-hmm. Um, but for us, we literally just back the vehicle up, hitch it, and go. Mm-hmm. And... and Conversely, if they were out in the field, they're taking all that weight with them. So if they come to this epic camp spot or whatever and they, they deploy everything, they've got an awning, they've got you know a rooftop tent, and they've got their kitchen pulled out, and they've got their chairs pulled out. All this stuff is just kind of spread out everywhere. If we were camping with them and we said, hey, there's this awesome trail just right up the road. You know, it's, it's a half a day uh, loop. Let's go and hit it. We could be ready to go in 60 seconds mm-hmm. they're not going to be ready to go for 20, 20 or 30 minutes mm-hmm. while they pack everything away yeah so that's the trade-off that's the trade-off now i will say and, and that's my reason like for us that's why I, I stick with the trailer for right now not saying it'll always be that way right definitely but, but for us it's what what fits mm-hmm now, the other disadvantage to the trailer is there are places you can't go with it. We've gone a lot of crazy places with ours, but if there are some very technical trails out there that you enjoy, a trailer is probably not going to be in your purview. Right. It's probably not going to fit what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And, and if you came, if you were on a trail and it dead-ended or there was a tree down, you're going to put more effort into turning that whole setup around. Right. Then you are a single rig. Mm-hmm. Um, some trailers are easier than others to turn around. True. Um, what you do, well, like with our turtleback, you can jackknife it 95 degrees, basically. Right. It's pretty. So, so you make a hard left, and then when you run out of space, you back into it, mm-hmm. and you purposefully jackknife it. And if the trail has got enough shoulder to it, you can actually turn it around. If not, no big deal. You disconnect the trailer. You turn your vehicle around. You grab the tongue of the trailer and you spin it around because the whole thing, fully loaded, weighs anywhere from 2,700 to 3,100 pounds, depending on how we load ours out. Yeah. But the tongue weight is about 125 pounds. Now, if you open the tailgate and cantilever some of that weight, it's even less. Yeah. So one person, I mean, I'm 6'3", 200 pounds. I don't work out. I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself a strong man, but I can spin that trailer around. Mm-hmm. So if you got in that situation, you could always do that. Right. That's the pros and the cons. Mm-hmm. And yeah, eventually I'll, I'll outfit a, a single vehicle and I won't divulge any more details than that. There may be one in the works, but I won't, I won't go any deeper than that. Okay. We gotta keep them coming back for more, right? Right? Yeah. All right. So anyhow, that's the evolution of our kit. Yeah. You know, once we went to that turtle back and we had forty-two gallons of water, six-gallon water heater, we had a shower, we had a kitchen, we had batteries with an inverter so we could run my laptop. You know, we had a two. It was a two thousand watt inverter, so I'm running my laptop like, and then loads of storage. Too much mm-hmm. storage. No. I mean, like. More st- well, more stories than you need. Well, there we go again with that word, need. Not if you're full-timing. Yeah, that's true. 
That's true. But it was perfect for a three-person, four-person family. Yeah. For sure. Definitely. For sure. And it was life-changing for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Literally life-changing. We would not be here talking to you today doing this podcast because it's just fun. And we want to give you more in-depth discussion about where we came from and, and the little stories and stuff that go with it. We wouldn't be doing that right now if it wasn't for owning a turtle back. Mm-hmm. That's true. Because it made things so easy that we got out there more often. And, and then we ended up making it our home. And ended up making it our home. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. So crazy. Hashtag not sponsored, but my gosh, people. <laughs> it's been fun. So fun. It's been awesome. It has. And, you know, also I will tag on to the end of that. I was so impressed with it. I went to work for the people. Mm-hmm. I love that product so much. I left my good paying project management job over here, field engineering and all that kind of stuff. I left that for almost a third of the pay and absolutely love it. And worked twice, three times as many hours. Yeah. And absolutely loved it because it's you learned such, a lot too. Huh? Well, it was such a unique product, such a unique experience to go there and, and to be a part of that team and to put into play a lot of the processes and things that I'd learned as a project manager and, and stuff in, in the nuclear construction field. And so that was probably one of the highlights of, of what we've, what we've done in this whole process. But yeah. And then to be involved in, in the upgrades, to be there at that point and say, Oh my gosh, like here's some things that we learned while we were, you know, spending all this time out there in this trailer Let's do this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. And then to actually be able to see those modifications and those improvements be applied to this trailer while you're working there. And then to build it up and move into it. Yeah. Move into it, I think, was the... It was, it was, the, it was the icing on the cake. Right. To have... To give it the ultimate test. Well, to have taken this 2016 model that we originally bought and it, like we kept this list of like, oh, if we could improve this, we would do this. And if we could add this, we'd do that. And we could do this. And then to not just send them an email and go, hey, guys, you should probably do this in your next one. But to like actually go to work for Turtleback and say, here's my list. And now that I'm here, let's make these improvements. Mm-hmm. And to see... of those things get implemented into the 2018 orange trailer that we now own and that we lived out of for a year is, it doesn't, like, that's a life experience that just doesn't happen. Right. That's so cool. Right. For sure. That is so cool. Definitely unique. So maybe that's a piece of the answer to why I want to keep living in the trailers because there's some of my own blood, sweat, and tears and design that went into what we have. Yeah. So I do, I do take a bit of pride in that pride and ownership in in that trailer. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, there, there you go. Okay. <laughs> I'm biased. <laughs> I'll, I'll say it. I'm biased. That's okay. But you know, if, it, if, if someone offered me a different trailer in $50,000, any trailer on the market plus $50,000, I wouldn't trade. 
I would not trade. All right. There, I said it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Because there's nothing else out there that does what that trailer does. Right. I can. I would agree with that. Feature-wise and functionality-wise. Mm-hmm. So, anyhow, that got that got deep. <laughs> we got real deep right there. What do you think? Wrap this up. Mm-hmm. Put a little bow on it. This is this has been fun. This is different. Yeah. This is definitely very gear centric. We won't always be this deep in the weeds of of the gear, but I but think it was I important. I think it's a very big question that we get: is yeah. why do you do a trailer, not just sure outfit your rig? Sure. But but I will book in this and say again: don't don't get overwhelmed with the gear. Don't feel like you have to have a forty thousand dollar trailer. Don't yeah. Like, don't go down that road. It's it's awesome to aspire to that and plan for that and save for that. But build your kit at your own speed, at your own budget, and just get out there and have fun, guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the main thing is is to put those products in your kit that keeps your family comfortable, keeps your family safe, keeps your family warm, and go out there and explore. Yeah. I mean, it's super easy to look at us. When we start in 2014. Right. This has been a five-year evolution. Right. We have not done all of this in one year. No. So I know it's easy to look at us and be like, oh, we want to be like you guys and get outside and do the things that you do. Well, you should have seen us at the very beginning. Sure. We looked like the Beverly Hillbillies, but we had a great time doing it. We had just as much fun then as we do now. As we do now. Oh, absolutely. The only difference is, is we go more often now and we're more comfortable. Yeah. That's, that's the only difference. Mm -hmm. So don't feel like you have to have it all figured out. Right. Just, you know, focus on safety and then add those pieces that keep you comfortable Mm -hmm. as you go along. Mm -hmm. So, so anyhow, that is the story of our Overland kit evolution mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot more stories that fall in into all those pieces and parts but that gets you up to speed with why we are running what we're running mm-hmm. that's about all i've got for the night how about yourself yeah i feel like we've we've covered a lot of it and some pretty well covered that so mm-hmm. all right guys well our uh, our campfire is burning really low at this point and I'm just about out of wood, so. And Mama's yawned a few times. Yeah, so the the rooftop tent's calling our name at this point. I think it's time we um, douse this thing and get on the bed. Sounds good. All right. Yeah. Thank you all for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, this second podcast, this whole experience, this whole experiment. Yeah. Of us <laughs> learning to uh, to tell a bit of a deeper story so a little more in depth a little more intimate a little more in depth Mm -hmm. so i hope you guys are doing great wherever you are in the world we will catch you on the next one until then safe travels